0: Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory
1: indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to 1,000 Recordings Podcast, Episode 60. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with me, as always, every episode is the dashing Michelle Davis. What's up?
2: Yeah, I'm dashing. <laughs> Dashing young man. Uh how's it going?
1: Uh it's going good. I'm enjoying my summer. Um and you have been to Cabo San Lucas and done a bunch of cool stuff.
2: Yep. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, that's a couple of weeks ago. Uh got to see um, Cabo Wabo, Sammy Hagar's place that was I went there on my birthday, the night of my birthday. That was it was fun and loud. Um, how,
1: how touristy was it? I mean, was it like a like a cheeseburger in paradise or something? Or
2: uh, it's it's not quite like that. It's basically like a the when I went to because there's like three different spots in the place. There's like a front lounge where you know you have like a usually like a house band that'll play live music, and they have a very small area where people sit in a bar. Then a middle part of the place where this huge club. Where they, they have like these catwalks where where girls get up and dance and the huge floor where people dance and then another bigger stage where a band will play and then a restaurant upstairs and um, yeah it's it's pretty touristy I mean as far as what you see in there but I mean the, the especially the club part it, I mean it's like a real club and with ironically the band that was there they played like you know you know rock and roll cover stuff you know Journey and you know Guns N' mm-hmm. Roses and all that, but when when the there's a DJ that played and people dance, all they played was rap music. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And that was that that was really actually kind of fun, like Lil Jon and Kanye West. And I was like, oh okay, and people loved it. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, look at this. You know, so and that was that was fun. You know, and then um, did no they play
1: singing. any Digital Underground?
2: No, no, they did not play Digital (laughs) Underground, but that would have been cool. I mean, people would have, that would have fit just fine, you
1: know,
2: but it was, it was a good vibe, you know, and I mean, you know, Cabo San Lucas itself, you know, beautiful place, um, getting out on the water, watching people snorkel and fish, it was, it was fun. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a good segue to the stuff we're going to talk about this week, which is first album we're going to talk about is Digital Underground, their album Sex Packets, Then we're going to talk about "The Wanderer" by Dion, another one of these single tracks that's in uh, Tom Moon's book, and then "Wide Open Spaces" by the Dixie Chicks. So let's start with "Digital Underground" sex packets released in 1990. Um, You know way more about this than I do. I mean, I again, this was like outside of my world at the time. During you know, in 1990, I was still in high school. You know when this came out. Um, yeah. I remember it, of course, I remember it coming out, but it just wasn't something that, you know, that, that I was into at the time. So I'm, I'm going to let you take it, man. What, what, how, you know, how, how yeah. did you feel about it when it came out? And S- yeah.
2: same thing for me. I was, I was in high school that the very first time I heard digital underground was on, on yo MTV raps where you had, uh, at the time I want to say it was Dre and Ed Lover. I don't think I think Fat Five Freddy had moved on from Yo MTV Raps when, when that was still a show on MTV and they played this song from them called Do What You Like. Uh like all one word, Do What You Like. And um it was such a weird sort of change of pace for what was going on at the time in rap music where it was it was it was real funky as far as like the music, the way it sounded, the beat and everything. I mean, it was kind of like a like a loop sample from a parliament song, which that'll, I mean, we'll talk about that too in a second. And, and it was just a very crazy video where like these people just sort of overran this hotel and just had this really wild, crazy party. And, um, you know, the, the main guys in digital underground, uh, you know, Greg Jacobs or or shock G, uh, and, uh and money B, the, the the two main guys that kind of rap and, and and put the music together are in this video kind of running around and then you see this other guy with this <laughs> this jacket on this ugly plaid jacket on this Groucho marks kind of nose and glasses and this huge Russian looking hat and, uh, and I'm like looking like what the hell so I mean you know they were they were obviously they obviously had this sense of humor about them that was really different from so much rap where everything was so serious and, and everybody was trying to be so hard. They had this very kind of, you know, humorous, funky attitude about everything where it was like, you know, let's just have some fun. Let's just, you know, kind of be freaky. And that, that was another thing about them, you know, from the onset, you could tell that that sex was gonna be a huge theme in most of what they rapped about. And, um, you know, they, you know, guys from Oakland, California, you know, where, you know, obviously it's, you know, lots of sort of hood parties. and, But, um, yeah, they they kind of came out of the West Coast scene, you know, as far as rap music and, and really changed a lot, you know, from, you know, from the very beginning about how people could look at rap music. And like I said, it not be so, you know, Macho and serious. It could be fun and it could be, you know, cool at the same time. Where you know it wasn't like a joke, you know. So it was just a kind of cool little evolution, if you would. And in rap music, another thing about about Digital Underground too is um they had a guy and there's there's tons of people in that group that you know we could kind of run down a list, but one guy that that not a lot of people knew about at the time was a guy named Tupac Shakur, who you know was really introduced by digital underground you know before he got you know as big as he was you know and um now that's another thing about them but uh, some people know and a lot of people don't that 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 was the first place that tupac showed up you know right and uh right. and wrapped and you know and it was another thing with him too he was he was not near as as serious as he i mean he was he was a guy you barely recognize i mean when he rolled with them i mean towards the end of his career, I mean, he was a lot different. You know, he evolved, you know, in a major way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So,
2: but, um, yeah, just, just lots of fun. You know, I I remember, that was the first thing I remember. I I went and bought that cassette for, for do what you like. It was like an EP, I think. And, um, but from, from Sound Warehouse. (laughs) And, yeah, um, just remember how funny that song was and how long, I mean, if you look at the album, that's that song is almost like nine minutes long, uh, like the original version of it, where they just have yeah. all this talking and and dialogue in the in the end of the song where this announcer, like a radio announcer, drops in. And, um, that's one thing about the book; it talks about how they were sort of like a modern day version of par- Parliament Funkadelic, you know, with their the way their album covers had these kind of animated cartoon skits on them and. You know, like Pedro Bell used to do for for Parliament and Funkadelic, and and definitely sample heavy on on Parliament, which, you know, that comes up in their songs too, where they they not just sample songs from them, they would loop songs, where they would just take, you know, a loop of a song like we're gonna, you know, hear in, in the Humpy Dance, where they they've taken a Parliament song and and just literally looped this one sample, yeah, you know, that that kind of funny line that you hear that. They just run that throughout the song and make it a, a bridge in the song.
1: You know, it's so, so uh, it's so hilarious, man! In the middle of that song, that they just kind of stop, and then he's like, he's like, check out this bass groove, and then he sort of imitates rrr, it. Rrr, a- rrr. Rrr. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, exactly. They they definitely had a, a a really great sense of humor, which I think hip hop and rap music needed at that time because things were getting very, very, very serious. (laughs) Way too serious in in (laughs) some circles. So, so that was, it was, it's interesting
1: that that's kind of the direction that Tupac went from where he started from. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. Well, and and you have to think about his roots too, where, you know, his, his, his mother's influence on him and, you know, that, you know, she was in the Black Panthers that, that never faded. And growing up in the hood and growing up, you know, sort of, Yeah. you know, like a, a, I mean, Tupac was a complete, you know, hood rebel, if you would, you know, where he, he was really smart guy, but he was, he was really slick in how he could sort of, you know, get under people's skin and get into people's heads, you know, especially when it came to the rapper that he was. And I mean, in the person that he was, um, you know, I, I just, um, I think he's going to be one of those, those guys that, I mean he'll be an icon once, you know, all of us are dead and gone that that'll still be talked about, you yeah. know, years from now, you know. But um ironically, this is where he got his sort of start, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the the first track, you know, we're gonna listen to is the Humpty Dance. Um That's one thing I was surprised about a lot of these tracks is their length. They're pretty long. Even this one, man, it's like like almost seven minutes, something like that. Um, and, uh, it's almost like, you know, the track is going and the, and the groove they're feeling it and they, they just don't want it to end. They just want to keep having fun with it and just, you know, you know, just doing stuff. And then once the, a lot of these tracks, you know, like they'll, you know, they'll have the wrapping, but once that, uh, that's over, they'll just a lot of times tack on all this stuff, like at the end.
3: Exactly. You you know, so (laughs) it just
1: kind of keeps going. And, uh, which is great. I thought it was, you know, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was one of the best, the coolest things about their tracks to me. Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, just, just something to kind of keep it fun and, and over the top and, you know, and, and just being characters like, I mean, like I said, you know, Greg being shock G and Humpty Hump, you know, where, you know, you, you, you know, you may not notice that at first. I mean, when you first see the group, you know, it's you, the same guy. You know, kind of the way you know in Parliament, you know, Funkadelic, George Clinton was like all these different characters. He was Sir Nose. He was Doctor Funkenstein You know, you know, he was Star Child. He was. I mean, he was just. You know, he would put on all these different costumes and, and different personas. You know, just to kind of weave in and out of you know the the songs they would do
1: yeah and
2: i mean digital underground kind of had that same spirit you know and um they were a fun group while they were together i mean they're, they're not making music apparently anymore i know that um one of the issues that 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 kind of came up with them is they had a they had a house fire i guess where where shock g lived and it burned up this huge record collection he had you know where obviously he took a lot of his influence and 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 then tracks that he would make and i mean it was it was devastating (laughs) i mean you know i mean i've i've heard about certain stuff that would happen like that to like q-tip from a tribe called quest i think he had that happen to him where he he had a place where he lived and bunches of records burned up and i was like I would feel terrible <laughs> you know yeah if i if I lost like my music collection especially some of those records you know they're irreplaceable oh you I know. imagine yeah. yeah you know where you can't you you mean if you had like all the money in the world you can't replace some of those records you know they're just you can't find them you know and it's it, it's it's just one of those things that that really hurt them in the end and then you know tupac kind of you know going his own way I mean you know they you know you know that that happens I mean they had so many people come in and out of that group but I think it was just one of those things where they, they kind of ran their course and you know they were a fun group while it lasted but you know anyway
1: yeah 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 <laughs> well um, should we check out the first track sure okay this is Digital Underground oh, with the Humpty your
0: rear. my nose is big uh-uh, I'm not ashamed, pick like a pickle. I'm still getting paid. I get laid by the ladies. You know I'm in charge. Both how I'm living and my nose is large. I get stupid. I shoot an arrow like Cupid. I use a word that don't mean nothing, like Luke did. I sang on Do What You Like. And if you missed it, I'm the one who said, just grab them in the biscuits. Also told you that I like to bite. Well, yeah, I guess it's obvious. I also like to write. All you had to do is give Humpty a chance. And now I'm going to do my dance. The Humpty dance is your, your chance to do the Come on. I'll do the humpty hump. Sexy baby. Everybody, come on and do the humpty hump. I'll do you know what? With the wind, with the wind, the humpty hump, y'all. I'll do the humpty hump. Watch me do the humpty hump. Ah, yeah, that's the break, y'all. Look at that bass groove right here. I do real, do right. do real, do right. Ah, yeah. Now that I told y'all a little bit about myself, let me tell you a little bit about this dance. It's real easy to do. Check it out. First I lift to the side like my legs was broken. Shaking and twitching, kind of like I was smoking. Crazy, whack funky. People say you look like MC Hammer on crack, Humpty. That's all because right, my body's in motion. It's supposed to look like a fit or a convulsion. Anyone can play this game. This is my dance, y'all. Humpty Humps my name. No two people will do it the same. You got it down when you appear to be in pain, humping. Funkin', jumpin', dig around, shakin' your rump, And when a doo doo jump punk points a finger like a stunt Tell him step off, I'm doin' the hump The Humpty Dance, here's your chance to do the hump Everybody! Do hump. Uh, I'll do the Humpty Hump, hump. Come on, I'll do the Humpty Hump, hump. hump. I do the hum, I do
1: the hum. And we just heard the Humpty Dance, and we're gonna move on to uh, man, like you said earlier, you said earlier, um, like you knew sex was gonna be a big. Part of what they rapped about yeah <laughs> holy shit this one um freaks of the industry uh so i'd yeah, never i I'd never heard this I, before i
2: kind of wondered if we should even talk about this so it was it was hard not to It was it, it, it this is one of those songs that you know when the the first two songs they 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 released from this album you know do what you like and, and the humpty dance came out you know they were they were kind of hit songs, especially the Humpty Dance was a big hit. But this song, I mean, obviously it's it's difficult to play a, a suggestive song like this on the radio. But it it was the biggest song on the record. I really, I mean, you know, after the record had been out maybe a couple of years, you know, when we, you know, retail and sold music, this was a song everybody wanted. I was like, man, I was in a club the other night. I heard this Digital Underground song. I was like, you mean the Humpty Dance? Like, nah, man, the freaks of the industry. I was like, really? They played that in the club? He's like, yeah. (laughs) And like, people rushed the dance floor. I was like, oh. So, I mean, it was just one of those songs that that people suddenly connected with that, you know, I guess in in a lot of ways, he wanted to hook up. It was like a very good hookup song, if you would. (laughs) And, and, um, you know, it has these two hooks in it from other songs that are kind of about sex, it, it has a sample of uh, Donna Summer's uh, "Love to Love You Baby," which that in a in its sense very very suggestive, very freaky. Where where Donna Summer at the end of the song basically has a a very loud vocal orgasm, what it sounds like. Right. And that song goes on for like about twelve. I don't know how long. It's a long song. Maybe I think it's longer than twelve minutes. It's a it's a really long song. And then Diana Ross's uh, "Love Hangover," it's got like a a bass hook from that song. So they you know, playfully kind of put those two songs into this song and, and, you know, you know, rap about what they're rapping about, you know, basically, you know, two people hooking up and, you know, trying not to make too much noise and
1: Yeah. Well I mean some <laughs> of it, you know, some of it is suggestive, but man a lot of it is just it's just completely overt. Just like yeah. <laughs> not suggestive at all. Just complete just like a play-by-play description, yeah, and, and of that what's going on. <laughs> longer, though.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the one thing about. It. I guess what I say suggests is because I'm. Trust me, there was so much out. I mean, oh, let's go. Let's go to Luther Campbell and the 2 live Crew. I mean, they they didn't yeah, pull yeah. any punches at all. I mean, that was that was the one group that that's I mean true. in the especially when I first heard you know a lot of the stuff that they did in the kind of mid to late '80s, I was like, you know. Can he can he say that? <laughs> but this is compared to that is yeah I would say is 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 very suggestive and and descriptive but not vulgar you know where you know you could still play most of it on the radio cuz I've heard this song on the radio where they made you know moderate changes here and there Yeah, um, yeah. but um anyway uh, well, this is um Yeah go ahead
1: Well I was going to say um you know I always love music that surprises me you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, there's music that, that you know, sits out to do what they do and it does it and it ends and that's fine. But I always love it when things happen in music that surprise me. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was talking about how they'll always tack stuff on to the end of these songs. And so the song is, you know, it's going along, it's rapping, it's, it's about what it's about, you know, uh-huh. and it's all good, you know. But then at the end, the rapping stops and this, like, sort of like jazz piano section comes in yeah for like the end of it and it it was it's really cool and and totally unexpected I was like what yeah and I was like wow this is really cool (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's another thing too there's there's somebody
2: in this group and I've always kind of wondered who the piano man is there's somebody on this on this album that plays piano On, on do what you like there's a piano solo where they go yo piano man play how you like and it's a It's a piano solo dropped in the middle of this this rap song, like with this this eight oh eight beat, and you're like,
0: Who the fuck does
2: that? (laughs) (laughs) You know? I mean it it was it was it was refreshing, you know. I mean like like when De La Soul, you know, we talked about De La Soul, obviously. It it reminded me a lot of De La Soul and what they did. Not exactly like what they did, but It was just kind of like a group that decided to be themselves and and cut away from you know what people were expecting you know i mean you know at the time you know the record label that that put them out time board records they were more adventurous you know than a lot of labels and where they gave guys you know much more creative you know sort of input than say uh you know a dev jam or or whatever and um i I really appreciated you know the change of pace so to speak, where you know I mean some people would even call them an alternative hip hop group which i I hate that label at this point the the so-called alternative whatever you know I, uh, I mean, yeah I agree with you it's just now that that's that's i mean alternative can mean anything you know I mean which I don't want to pick on anybody but that I just I hate that label I well mean, yeah it
1: was it was so overused that now it, it really is meaningless. Yeah, yeah
2: basically but but it was just one of those things where you know a, a rap group out of Oakland, California you know with a, a rotating you know number of members throughout I and mean, then again like Parliament Funkadelic you know they you know sometimes they would have like 20 people on the stage you know and digital underground was the same way i mean they'd have all these guys dancing and playing instruments and different guys in and out rapping and i mean it was you know, it was really, really a fun period where this group kind of came along. I actually met them um, years, years back when I worked for this store. They were both, you know, Money B and, and, and Shock G, which Shock G was not Humpty Hump that day. He was Shock G. Um, they were both really cool guys, um, you know, real friendly, you know, real knowledgeable. Man, we would talked about music and, you know, the, they listened to just... When you listen to the samples on this record, they listen to like a wide variety of stuff, which I, I appreciate that too. You know, wow, these guys really that, cool. You know, don't really care, just listen to whatever they want to hear and, and always listening for new stuff and, and different stuff to get beats from and you know.
1: Was that uh, at Sound Warehouse?
2: No, no. That was at uh, another store that was at
1: Soundwaves. Sound wave, Soundwave, um, right. Are they still yeah, around? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the one on uh, Montrose is is still open Really in wow. Houston. But other than that, I don't know if they have any other stores. Uh, maybe maybe I think they have one in, in Clear Lake, but uh, I haven't been to one of their stores in so long. Uh, well, rec- I, I mean,
1: man, a record store chain, if you even have one store still open, that's, uh, that's pretty good. It, it,
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, like, you know, what was the last time I went into a store? to buy actual music I cannot remember it's been it's been forever I mean the digital age has kind of really killed and I mean there are some really good record stores still Vinyl Edge here in Houston which I mean Vinyl Edge is one of those stores is not your typical record store where you'll, you'll right. go in there and find you know just really obscure stuff but uh, that's something too that I've, I've thought about you know all the different record stores around the U.S. that would be a fun you know road trip
1: Yeah. Well, you know, lately within the past year with this whole, like you said, digital music revolution, and I've kind of seen how it impacts artists firsthand because I'm an artist and, you know, I have music to sell and stuff. And uh, I've really made a point to start buying physical media again. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think that that's that's the only way that artists are going to be able to support themselves. You know, they can't support themselves via digital sales certainly not from royalties from uh streaming services like spotify and stuff like that yeah um yeah. and yeah and, and it's awesome i mean it really is going going from so many years of buying digital music and not getting that booklet and not getting art and not getting information <laughs> yeah, and stuff that and not just having point. that physical object <laughs> in your hand yep. you know to all of a sudden. Again, having those physical objects, whether it be CD, I, if it's on vinyl, I will get it on vinyl because, yeah, that's just you know, it's how just, you roll. It's so cool <laughs> to you know it to have that physical object like that. But you know, I've gotten CDs, I've gotten LPs, and it's 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 awesome. You know, uh, people, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I'm a person who loves reading uh, liner notes, and I mean, I, I I I miss that. I mean, even when you get a digital product, so to speak and they send you, like, the cover, it's it's not the same, you know. It's it's no. something about having, like you said, having it in your hand, you know. And I, I still will, will order physical music online, like, you know, via eBay or Amazon or whatever, but um, it's, it's rare I go into an actual music store anymore. And it's not like I don't want to, but it's just, you know, I don't know, I just... I, I, it's not even that I don't have the time. It's just I, I I think about it and it's like, where are they? You know, they're they're not as, as out there as they used to be. There are some, but you have to kind of go find them. You yeah, know?
1: yeah. So, well, cool, man. Let's uh, let's listen to this track. Cool. The last track from Digital Underground. This is freaks of the industry. Get back to my mission, break
0: out the whipped cream and the cherries, then I go through all the fly positions, my head under her leg, under my arm, under her toe. She says, I like it when you scream, baby, let yourself go. I hit it and split it, lick it and quit it. After the ride, put my clothes on and walk outside, and before anybody gets a chance to speak, I say, yo, don't say nothing, I guess I'm just a freak. Because we're the freaks of the industry, yeah, freaks? Yo, you worse money, be The freaks of the industry And when you see us backstage, be prepared to G yeah. You know what, man, you's a freak I seen you with that girl at the hotel after that show last week What about that time out would in the park? Wish, don't tell me Now if there's a cure for this, we don't want it. We'll run from it. And, and if there's a remedy, we don't need it. We just eat it. <laughs> Damn, ladies,
3: hey yo, piano man, take us out of here.
1: Just heard Freaks of the Industry by Digital Underground. We're gonna move on to our second artist, Dion, and his single from 1960, The Wanderer. It was originally released on the Runaround Sue album. Hey everybody, I just wanted to pop in for a second to tell you guys about an awesome new podcast. It's one of my new favorites it comes from guitarist and composer Matthew Cochran It's called goes to 11 so if you're any kind of guitar enthusiast you probably get that reference Um, goes to 11 is the weekly podcast about the world of the guitar and uh, he basically covers guitar heroes first season is about guitar heroes and uh, it's extremely well produced and well done um, I, I love this podcast. Uh, he's got a season two coming up, which starts Thursdays in September. Uh, among the highlights, he's interviewing Chris Critter Eldridge from the Punch Brothers, fingerstyle legend Don Ross, and the Polish classical guitar virtuoso Marcin Dilla. And I, It's awesome, guys. Go check it out. It's one of my new favorites. Goes to 11. It's available on iTunes and other places where you get your podcasts. And uh, check it out. Matthew Cochran goes to 11. Yeah, Dion, you know, he was born Dion Francis DiMucci on uh, July 18th, 1939. He's still around.
2: In the Bronx.
1: Yeah, in the Bronx. And he's, uh, yeah, still around, still doing stuff. Um, I think he's in his late 70s now. But, um, yeah, The Wanderer, uh, you know, early, uh, pre, kind of a pre-British invasion, you know, rock and roll icon. um, And influenced a ton of people later uh, on, you know, especially a lot of artists that emerged um, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, like Lou Reed and Bruce Springsteen and and a lot of other people. Yeah, um, definitely Springsteen. Oh yeah, Shoot. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. You know he he had that that teen rebel sort of image, you know, real yeah. early on, and the Wanderer is uh, it's just about you know him being up front with all these girls that he wander you know he wanders around and he doesn't want to settle down and that's just how it is and you know he's with this girl and with that girl and and they shouldn't expect him to stay and you know that's basically what yeah. it's about
2: yeah when when i i was reading about him uh where he discussed how it's actually kind of like a like a sad situation where you know it seems like this guy you know really carefree a different girl every day you know going from place to place but
1: in reality
2: i mean you think about that i mean he's he's gotten really nobody yet in the end you know he's always you know on his own which you know can be hard i guess at times you know when you when you really look at it from one perspective i mean you know, you, you think, you know, a guy that seemingly has all these beautiful girls every day, you know, what's the problem, you know, and, and is never in one place at any given time. He's he's always traveling from here and there. Right. But, you know, and I mean, think about it. I mean, there's, there's really, I mean, the way Dion, this is the way Dion was saying, there's really no stability in that, you know. So, you know, and they, I think the the era that this song came out in. It's it's an interesting time, you know. It's it's a obviously it's kinda of like a fledgling state for rock and roll, you know, where obviously you, you have a lot of rock and roll influenced by soul and blues, which, you know, that's another thing. He said that that this song was was kinda of influenced by like muddy waters and blues like that and uh like we you would hear on chess records and um I post a video on on the you know the one thousand recordings page where you you see him performing this song and and is in front of an audience. They seem happy, but not too happy. You know, <laughs> it's it's a reserved kind of happy. And I think the the times reflect the look on their faces, where you know, rock and roll people were still kind of unsure about it. You know, is it the devil's music, or you know, is this something that is really going to go somewhere? And I think that also is reflected in in this song where. He talks about how they, you know, they the, the record company or the label or whatever kinda changed some of the lyrics to the song. Um like the the part I think where he says uh, you know he has two fists of iron and no place to go. Originally that was supposed to be two fists of iron and um and a beer in his hand or something like that, you know. Which they thought that was too rebellious, you know. <laughs> right. You know, we right. wanted to make it seem like the the guys, he's really like, you know, sort of like a rebel without a cause that's in trouble, and and you know, you don't want to you don't want to be like this guy. I mean, he seems like he's cool, but he really isn't, you know. And it, and initially, I don't think that's what they meant, you know. I think when the song was written, you know, they were like, no, you do want to be this guy, you know. But you know, like I said, the the so called record label they. They didn't even want this song to be like the song. It was like a B side, I think, to another song. And um, right, you know, record companies, you know, were pushing the the A side or whatever. And, and the radio stations heard the wonder, and they're like, "Oh no, no, no! We need to play this song." <laughs> you know, you hear that groove that that's right,
1: right.
2: So anyway, I mean, it's it's interesting to to see you know, kind of what was going on with the way you know. Public perception with all of all all of this was going on. I mean, as far as rock and roll and and the way everybody looked in in the band, you know, Dion's look himself. I mean, because he he looks you know somewhat rebellious, but he's still kind of you know
1: tight. To our yeah, to our standards today, he doesn't look rebellious at all. Really, I don't think. But you know, back then, you know, even his hair, the way his hair was was seen as real as rebellious back then. Yeah, uh yeah. And we look at it today it looks just like a a conservative haircut to us but yeah um yeah it's it was it was an interesting time that you know before this everybody freaked out in the 60s <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, um yeah you know this this time in Dion's career is also interesting uh because he was on that tour with uh buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the big yeah. bopper and you know he was supposed to be on the plane the story but he didn't want to spend the thirty-eight bucks and went on the <laughs> went on the tour bus instead, and you know
2: that would have been interesting. And wow. and
1: he he lived, yeah, yeah. Um, he and what was it? Uh, he and uh, and Merle Haggard is that who? Uh, that's who was right? Merle Haggard. Was, I'm uh, not sure. <laughs> um, I think Merle Haggard at the time was. Um, I want to say uh, he was playing with Buddy Holly. He was a okay. Buddy Holly's bass player. And uh, the story was that um, Merle Haggard was also supposed to be on that plane. And there was like one seat left, and he did a coin toss with somebody else and lost the coin toss. Oh. Uh, yeah.
2: Wow. Well, that I did not know. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So anyway. Um,
2: I think I remember somebody talking about a coin toss, but I didn't know it was... Um, 'Cause you see that in that, that Labama movie. Okay, that's right. Okay, never mind. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, should we check this out?
2: Cool. And it's it's interesting that he only wanted to talk about this one song in the book. I mean he we obviously could have talked about run around Sue, you know, very easily or something else. But anyway, you know, um interesting case study on him and definitely the period that he he came up in. It was um it was a different time.
4: Uh,
1: Definitely. Definitely. Sure. All right. Well, let's check this out. This is The Wanderer by Dion.
3: Just cause I'm a wanderer
1: Just heard "The Wanderer" by Dion, and we're gonna move on to our last album for this uh, episode, The Dixie Chicks' "Wide Open Spaces," released in 1998. And uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting—I don't know—kind of industry facts and stuff about this record, and you know how it came about. But one of the things I was amazed about is that um, when it was released in 1998. It sold more albums than all other country music groups combined that year.
2: Isn't that something?
1: Yeah. Wow. So it's it's one of the biggest selling country albums of all time. And uh, the three members, Natalie Maines, who's the the main vocalist, um, Emily Robeson, who does backup vocals, plays mostly banjo and dobro, but also a lot of different instruments, and Marty McGuire who also does backup vocals plays fiddle and mandolin and other instruments as well. Um, and I, you know, when this came out, I was like in the middle of music school and I was, I was totally immersed in this other world and it just kind of, you know, it just kind of passed me by at the time. Um, did did you have any experience with this when it came out?
2: Uh, no. Um, I mean, I, 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 recognized them, you know, and it was like, okay, whatever, you know, it's their, their country, but they're sort of not. And I, I really did not listen to this first record. That was not my, my initial, you know, contact with them it was on their, their second record, um, which, um, I want to say is, is called fly.
1: I think that's right. Yeah. Uh,
2: that's the one with, with Earl and, and without you anyway. Um, but it was that record also too. And I mean, I, obviously we're not talking about that record that they kind of opened me up to them and, and how, how good they were. And it made me look back at this, this one we're talking about now. Cause I, I remember seeing it and hearing them, but I really didn't pay that much attention until, like I said, the second record. And then obviously they're, they're dusted up with uh, then, you know, president, George W Bush and that administration which you know we'll talk about that too in a second. Um but I'm amazed at how how well received um this first record was. It, it obviously was sort of like a breath of fresh air where they they obviously can can really harmonize and sing really well together. I mean Natalie yes. she's one of the greatest singers that I've ever heard. I mean she has a beautiful voice and I mean they yeah. they all harmonize really well together and then all play instruments too where that that helps their overall sound you know where it could be just the three of them and nobody else and it just works so so well um, and I think that's right. one thing that helped them initially where like I said they were just you know a breath of fresh air especially on country radio where so many people probably sounded you know the same. You know, and they they mixed in country and bluegrass, you know, and kind of like a rock pop stuff or rock pop sound, if you will, um, in some of their stuff. And and then that was just that was just something that country music probably really needed at the time. Yeah. You know, so
1: well, when it came out, um, you know, the big crossover female country star of the 90s was Shania Twain. Yeah, and that's kind of the category that I just sort of put this in when it came out. I didn't even I didn't know anything about it. You know, I just sort of heard about it. I was like, oh, whatever. It's just some pot another pop country artist. You know, Um, and you know, country music has has never been a music that I've been particularly uh, identified with. You can say you know over the years, but man, coming back to this album. You know, now when I'm a little bit older, and you know, uh, a little more open-minded and stuff, it's it's an amazing album.
2: It is. Uh, I agree.
1: It it really I think transcends the genre, even though it is firmly a a a country album. Um, You know, like you said, Natalie Maines' voice is. You know, when we're going to listen to this first track, "I'll Take Care of You." When i listened to it i was just like oh my god yeah <laughs> you know, she can go like, dude she's
2: yeah she's amazing and uh, i'm i just like you i i missed this first record i i knew about them and i heard people talk about them how good they were but i i was dismissive you know and and it was what i tell you what had what had to happen to me i was working with a lady named liana when i first started working for the company i work with now and we were working together where she would play this album of theirs every day, <laughs> and it grew on me. And I was like, you know what, they're really good. And she was like, I told you. She was like, okay, you know, because I I didn't want to hear it at first. I was kind of like, eh. but then I listened to it. And I was like, man, there I'm, I'm okay. I'm I'm convinced, you know. And it's like you said, it's one of those one of those things where, like you said, you got to a point, you know, later on where you look back at their other stuff, and it's like, you know, how how good are they i mean they were very very good you know to to the point of where like you said they 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 kind of broke out from you know like you said the Shania. not to knock shania twain i mean she's i like her too um but they were just so very sort of different in a sense to where they mix all the the roots of country and some of the the more radio friendly type stuff that you could hear and, and made it work and made it kind of you, you know unique to their own you know style if you would yeah so to speak. yeah
1: yeah definitely um so like i said this first track we're gonna listen to is i'll take care of you um it really showcases natalie main's voice like you said it's, it's beautiful it's it's yeah. you know it really uh, you know I mean there's there's country in there you know uh, like a flavor country flavor but there's also a rock flavor there's also a folk flavor um and it's you know she can do a lot with her voice it's just it's and it's beautiful no matter where it is in the range you know it yeah. just it just keeps this beautiful quality all the time um and you also get to hear the other two play there's a there's a great kind of sort of a couple solos in the middle. So like a, like a Dobro solo in the middle from Robeson and then a fiddle solo from McGuire. And, you know, on top of this, they sing this harmony throughout. It's like, it's like some kind of silk that you just want to wrap yourself in. (laughs) That's
2: such, that's such a good point (laughs) that, that harmony, you know, that, that's one thing that, that, that is so absent from a lot of music today harmony you know where where things play in a sense separately but together and that mix is it's it's hard to fake it you know and i mean that's what's so good about them is that you can tell they've been they've been playing for a while like that that's another funny thing this was their fourth record <laughs> you know i didn't know that i thought this was maybe like their first record but it was their first record with with Natalie. They had had some other records previous. I think they were not major label releases. And I'm like, what do you mean they're for? for? I mean, they they had already been, you know, playing for a Dude, while. yeah, they sisters.
1: they were um, the two sisters were seasoned at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. And, and you hear that. And I I think people, you know, they show their appreciation by going out and you know spending their money, you know, when they were still record stores at this time. And buying their record, I think they've sold, this album has sold like 14 million copies. That's a lot of records, especially for a country record. I mean, that's like Garth yeah. Brooks, you know, somebody like that, that, you know, just they went way beyond what I'm sure was expected of them. And I I, I have a lot of respect for them, especially going through what they went through. They went through, which, I, like I said, we'll talk about that after we, we hear this song. They went through hell for a minute there. Oh, yeah. Um, with well, some people yeah. being upset about you know things that they were saying you know and and free that's another thing I love about them they you know they're individuals that don't mind speaking their mind especially being ladies in country that's that can be tough you know yeah so
1: yeah and getting back to what you said about transcendence I mean when you when you sell fourteen million records regardless of what kind of music you're making that means you're transcending your genre that means that yeah. that people that are not normally drawn to your genre are buying your record
2: exactly and uh,
1: exactly. yeah that that's that's what they've done really with you know all their albums I think um, let's check this out this first one uh, this first track this is I'll take care of you by the Dixie Chicks. Juggle. struggle. And we just heard I'll take care of you and we're gonna listen to the title track wide open spaces and uh you know this one is like a lot of their other music and I uh which may be I, I don't know I was gonna say unusual in country music maybe it's not I don't know but this like a lot of the other other music is really about kind of uh I don't know the strength for women, independence, you know, equal rights, equal treatment for women, um, you know, female empowerment. I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I think. You know that that's a good way of putting it. I mean, I think it's just it's 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 a perspective from a a, a lady's sort of you know, view where. You know, I'm I'm talking about things I'm going through. And I mean, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, paraphrasing what, what she may, you know, Natalie and, and the other ladies may say. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to, you know, step on anybody's toes or, or step out of what normally you would hear in country music from a woman. You know, it's, it's just me being me, you know. And I mean, you can call that feminist. You can call it, you know, empowerment for women. I think she they're just being truthful. <laughs> you know, and I mean I you could you could apply it to anybody. I mean, you know, wide open spaces where I've got, you know, plenty of room to make mistakes. I mean, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Know? Well, yeah, I I agree with you. This song, I think this song is like you're saying truthful. A song like So Long Earl, that's Yeah, that's different. That's more about <laughs> empowerment right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they
2: they got they caught heat for that. Where yeah. I mean, okay, it's I mean, just kind of it's
1: kind of sad that we can't play that one. But
2: yeah, and I, I thought about that. Like I said, I love that record so much because I mean that's the the one record I got introduced to them. Um, but I mean, they they basically had a a situation where they wanted to address a woman who was being abused by a man, and was like, I'm not gonna put up with this anymore. And it's like you know you're gonna die, Earl. I mean, that's how how blunt is that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know. So and like I said, a lot of people, you know, they took that the wrong way. They were just like, you know, it's male bashing or whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, it's just it's just just being truthful again. I mean, yeah. I I yeah. didn't even try to to attach a any, I mean, because if you want to do that, that's fine. I mean, you know, on whatever side, you know, the feminist side or the the non feminist side, but I think it was just their way of just saying this is how we feel. You know, I mean, um obviously, you know, some of the things that they've talked about, like when they when they came out against, you know, George W. Bush invading Iraq, I mean, they got blacklisted basically where country music radio would not play them. You know, because they were saying they were anti American and this and that. But, you know, a lot of people felt the same way they did. And, uh, you know, galvanized support around them even after that, where, you know, they were like, you know, country music may not want you, but we do. And uh, I think, you know, for a minute there, it looked like they really were not going to make it. I thought they were going to probably just... Because there was so much pressure on them from a variety of people. You know, there were people who, who had aligned... You know, with them as far as you know endorsements or whatever, that all just vanished, and um, it was hard. I know, but you know, that's another thing where I I feel like, you know, they they got through that period, and I respect them much more for that in making music and being honest and not succumbing to the, the so called pressure of of what people feel like you should say, you know, and um, you know. That this song kind of reflects that too. You know? So, yeah, you know, I, I I have a lot of love and respect for them. You know, I mean, it's one of those deals where it's just you, 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 you want to just see them make it. You know, they're kind of like an underdog, if you would, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, um, anyway,
1: yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I, I too, I admire that. You know, they just they say what they feel whenever they want. You know, like when she said that those comments about the Iraq war, they were in London, you know. Yeah. And then a bunch of radio conservative radio tacos, uh, radio talk show hosts sort of blasted them and said, oh, they couldn't say it on American soil, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Natalie's uh, response was. Um, I s- was based on like I said it there because that's where I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just and like that's where audience, she was when she wanted to say, it. you know, it didn't have anything yeah, to do.
2: Yeah, ironically it. people in the audience cheered too. They have, in London. They, you know, they, they didn't boo her or anything. They were like, you know, you know, we we applaud you for for saying what you said and you know, we 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 agree. You know, I mean, it, it's it's just, you know, I I love this country. I love living in America. You know, there are certain things about this country I don't like. But, I mean, it's it's one of those deals where, you know, people have a right to kind of, you know, go with their own beliefs and, and whatnot here and there. I mean, you can't just do whatever you want. But, you know, just because I I don't agree with what somebody believes and whatever, I mean, it doesn't mean I turn my back on them or, or try to, you know, attack them or whatever. It's just, you know, it's just somebody that's different from me, you know. I mean, if I tried to, you know, scrap with everybody that i disagreed with i'd be in a nut house you know so yeah you know i think that's that's one of the reasons why i i again like i said i i have so much respect for them because they they didn't have to go there you know they could have just played along and been quiet and and you know still had their stuff played on the radio and and all the the money endorsements all that stuff but they didn't you know and they they stuck to it and it was i know it was hard but I think on the other side of it i am pretty sure they're still glad that they made the decision they made where you know people will ridicule them and criticize them, but they still were were honest about who they were and what they believed in and and now on the flip side, obviously, you know years after where we you know we see the results and you know what they were talking about, you know <laughs> yeah. obviously you know yeah, they, yeah. They, they 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 had something you know going there with what they were saying, so
1: well, sure, you know yeah, yeah, yeah 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 well all right let's listen to it cool this is wide open spaces from the dixie chicks
4: About who's never left home, who's never struck out to find a dream and a life of their own, a place in the clouds, a foundation of stone. Many precede and many will follow. A young girl's dreams no longer hollow the shape of
1: wide open spaces and that's going to do it for 1000 recordings podcast episode 60 you can join us on facebook and watch uh, the videos that mitch often posts you can email us at 1000 recordings dot or sorry 1000 recordings podcast at gmail.com you can join us on twitter uh, with a twitter handle at 1000 rp and you can go and support the show by going to Patreon.com/slash1000rp. Even if you, even if you love the podcast, love what we're doing, enjoy what we've doing for for a long time, even you know a dollar an episode or anything you can do, two dollars um, it would help out a great deal. And uh, if you like the show and have not left us a rating and a comment in iTunes, go do that. We'll read your review on the air and next week or not I should say next week i I need to get out of the habit of saying that next episode um we have three new albums from tom moon's book dizzy rascal do you do you know dizzy rascal i do not uh, okay apparently he's a british yeah british hip-hop artist
2: yeah i'm not familiar with him um
1: javan which is uh a brazilian artist yeah, I, I skipped something. Oh, the Dixie oh, Hummingbird. Dixie Hummingbird. Yeah, yeah. yeah that should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what's coming up next time. Cool. Cool. So, uh, anything? Any parting words this time?
2: Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, nope. Not that I can think of. I think everything. I think we I think we cover everything.
1: okay all right well until next time we will cover more music from tom moon's book later everybody
2: great bye-bye